Emotional exhaustion is the feeling of lacking energy and being depleted, which is the central feature of burnout. What's up, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange of Social Science, a podcast co-hosted by myself, comedian Akin Omobitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart, peer-reviewed, and publish social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the listener, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. <laughs> What's up, Dan? I can have a question for you. Go for it. Would you rather be known as the director? Director of Chaos or a creative technologist? Uh, I'm definitely going to opt for the Director of Chaos. (laughs) Yeah, I'm smashing stuff up, man. (laughs) I love it. I didn't even listen to the second one. I'm like, sold. Done. I'll take it. Those are two titles, um, two actual job titles. One's at Berkshire Hathaway and one's at IBM, where they kind of allowed people to invent what they would be called on their jobs if they got to pick. And that's what this paper is all about. I um, I have been fascinated with this for quite a while, and I've been a little surprised by the power in this. Um, anything you wanted to say about it before we jump in? This paper is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'll tell you what, actually. It's quite close to me because I do have a job title, which is, I guess, it, it's yeah, it's a bit, off, a bit offbeat. It's a bit offbeat. So, like, reading through this one, there's a lot that I could connect with directly yeah. uh, so i'm going to jump in and, yeah. and just shout out the uh, the title and the authors as well uh, some names you may or may not recognize so this study is titled job titles as identity badges how self-reflective titles can reduce emotional exhaustion and we're going to give shout outs to adam grant justin berg and yours truly Yay! daniel cable <laughs> you've been busy i'm Dan. in there i'm in there <laughs> Oh, it's such a fun! It was such a fun study for us. What attracted you to this? this well, study? I got to tell you, um, it's uh, all about Justin Berg and Adam Grant. They they work together um, with Make a Wish Foundation. They're out there just doing some volunteer work and just kind of helping out. And um, it, they just stumbled on this, and at first they didn't even believe it. But the CEO. Uh, Make-A-Wish is a huge foundation. I don't know if you know, but it's like one of the biggest not-for-profits in the United States. And it's terrible and wonderful. They give dying kids their last wish. Uh, you know That sounds kind of wonderful and terrible. The really tricky part about working there is um, it's kind of heart-wrenching, but you're often building up for one of their kids' dreams, which might be like introducing them to a sports person that they really love or like taking them to Disney or something, and then they die before you can even get them there. So there's a lot of emotional labor. There's a, there's a lot of like devastating sadness to work and work and work, oh, and then they die before you can give them this dream. But what the CEO found so compelling is we have to remember we're in the joy business, and everybody's like mopey and sad and hurt and pain, but like we're in the joy business. So she did this thing where she came up with her own job title, which is like the fairy godmother of dreams or wishes. Wishes, or yeah. yeah. And then she encouraged everybody else, like, come up with your own title. And this was inspired, right, by a, uh, it was like a, a conference work thing that took place at Disneyland. In Disney. In Disney. <laughs> Which I just, I just found, I found it comical for a few reasons. Partly why I found it comical is anytime I've worked at places where one of my managers, leaders, bosses has gone for some sort of leadership conference, 
I just start like gripping the tape. I'm like, they're going to come yes, back yes. with some wacky yes. idea that they've yes. heard from some like massive company that does like zany stuff. And then now I'm going to have to start wearing like a hat every Thursday to spread joy. I don't want to wear a hat. I wear, I wear a hat when I want to wear a hat. Yes. And I also just found yes. it hilarious, this idea of... Um, they were expressing how this is something that takes place at Disney as well. So the people who work at Disney have these kind of like zany job titles as well. So it's not enough that I've got to be walking around in this eight foot Mickey Mouse costume. I also have to be referenced as the like the joy maker <laughs> <laughs> whilst resisting yeah. the urge to like yeah. kick eight year olds yeah. in the shin. Yes. Um, so yeah, so like um, this was done in two parts. So this was uh, qualitative. And then followed by quantitative. And so the qualitative element was interviews, reviewing, I believe it was like um, emails, um, different bits of... um, Company documents. Company documents and such. And just kind of like assessing it to see when people are using their own job titles, how is it being used and what effect or impact is it having and so I think I mentioned that there were interviews as well with the team uh-huh. and then following that it was the idea of okay so we've noticed this this pattern this trend in this organization is there a way that we can do a quantitative study and see what measures that we can get to see what happens if we apply this template to a different organization right. as well and see what can be in this case some hospitals yeah at the time I'd been working with uh, Novant Health which is a group of hospitals in uh, the southeast United States and they were pretty intrigued by this idea. I got to tell you, less about the titles and more about the power of self-expression. Totally. That's what they were really into this idea about bringing your whole self to work and how if you want to get rid of this burnout, I don't know if you know, but in the health services area, there's huge burnout. Like nurses burn out a lot. Doctors burn out a lot. And it's this idea, again, about sort of how much pain you just serve in hospitals. You're kind of almost literally surrounding yourself with sickness and pain. You're doing great stuff, though. And I think that this notion of reducing that burnout and that emotional exhaustion by expressing more of yourself and kind of bringing more of yourself in was something they were intrigued by. And so they gave us nine hospitals to play with. And maybe, you know, we'll wait to get there. Um, I think there's a little bit more front-end work that we can do. Um, But I want to just go on record as saying both of these things surprised us. Like... Okay, first off, ask questions if you're really interested in this hack. I, oh, I, I, I totally am. Yeah, okay. yeah I totally okay. am. I found it so weird how when Adam and um, Justin were like hanging out there doing this volunteer work, interviewing some people, how frequently people brought up the titles and how it helped them. Like in direct quotes, unsolicited. They weren't even doing a study yet. But in like direct quotes, unsolicited, they would say things like, it's interesting. Uh, here's one. I'm going to give you one. Just like, the negative feelings don't last long because these titles encourage positive thinking. It brings your mind back to the good side of life. And it's like, I think that we were all, I mean, I wasn't even working with them on this project yet. I think they were like really surprised how many of the interviewees just brought this up unsolicited. Like these weird titles, which by the way are free. You don't have to pay. This isn't like getting like... Like a ping pong table. <laughs> this isn't like a beanbag moment. This is just like, you come up with what title. And the, some of the things they come up with were hilarious. Like the COO, the, the chief operating officer called uh, himself, I'm the minister of dollars and cents. That's kind of funny. And then there was one like, um, the admin assistant was the goddess of greetings. Like you got... <laughs> I, I, found it, I found it a lot of fun. I found it a lot of fun to read. Yeah. And... 
like just to, I guess to put like a bit of weight to it as well. So when we're talking about the Make a Wish Foundation, uh, so they looked at there was a, a Midwest. Uh, I think they called them um, chapters. Yeah. So like there would be like a site or a branch, you could say. And so they had thirty one. This is at the time thirty one paid staff members. So that's kind of like I guess you could say the the spine of the organization, or at least that branch. But when you look at the number of volunteers, you're kind of looking at around. 450 so this is like a lot of people management off the top and as you mentioned dan what their job is to do is to kind of give people like i guess like one big blowout before you kick the bucket that's it like it's their kids yeah and their kids as well like yeah which uh you want to really heart-wrenching yeah and so like that kind of like weight and the number of it they, they talk about having about like 800 kids I guess, like, annually, yes. who are yes. eligible. Yes. So 800 annually, they're yeah. eligible. And probably having budget slash resources or capacity to kind of grant maybe, like, about half of those. So maybe, like, 400. Yeah. Yeah. And as you then mentioned, Dan, you could grant 400 dying kids' wishes, but, like, a lot of them just might not... Yeah. It, they just might... They might go before yeah. it's time to yeah. meet... Yeah. How I was going to say MJ, but... Not you so, could say that. I, say uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess we've lost, it's <laughs> last favor. Last favor, and, and he's gone. So, mm. so, um, so we're talking about mm. quite a heavy load in terms of like what you're going to put out emotionally, anyway. So the, I guess the the inspiration, and you might be able to tell me more about this, because um, I don't know how often, as a as a as a professor yourself, as a as a scientist, as a researcher, I don't know how often good ideas just fall in your lap. Yeah, yeah. And this one was weird enough that we didn't know if it was a good idea, which I, is I would, a great question. Yeah, like yeah, I, I think that especially Adam and Justin were pretty as they were digging in. I think they were pretty skeptical. It just did it, okay on the face of it. We go through life thinking things are really linear and rational. And it just doesn't seem like cooking up these zany titles would really help. But then, like, in their first six interviews, each one of them brought up something like, here's another one. It just makes work easier and it cushions the blow a little bit. It helps keep things inspiring. And it's just like there's these psychological benefits that were seeming to come up, almost like... um like a non-financial reward that people kept bringing up. And that doesn't happen very often, I can tell you. I think I have 50 studies now. Maybe there were three where I kind of got surprised by this. At once upon a time, um, a researcher named Kim Elsbach and I did a study on FaceTime where we just interviewed people and like, do you really have to be at work in order to work? And then we interviewed the bosses and some really cool stuff came out. And this qualitative research seems to be the methodology that allows that to happen. Yeah. If I had to like cut to the chase on this, qualitative is so fun because you don't really know what people are going to say. Whereas quantitative research, you got to use surveys. What do you use surveys? You have to use scales. To have scales, you have to know what you're looking for. So with quantitative research, you kind of have to know what you're looking for in order to show it. Qualitative, you're just like talking to people and they bring up stuff. Yeah, and, and so uh, in terms of talking to people, so there was a an open-ended interview protocol uh, which was developed and it was looking at three things, which were the work environment, 
uh, the emotional challenges of work and the steps taken to deal with these challenges, which everyone, regardless of what your mm-hmm. job is, these are things that everyone can relate to right. on some level, right. I imagine. Like, right. even if you're, I don't know, an editor or a, uh, a programmer and you do quite a lot of technical stuff solo, you're still going to have to engage with people. And when I was reading through this study, it seemed to me that the biggest stress that most people have with their jobs is other people. Yes. Like you yes. can, like when you talk Classic. about like the quantitative, qualitative element, when you're dealing with like numbers or if you're like smashing bricks or if you're like delivering goods, that's very technical. Even if you're just driving your car, you can learn how to drive. You can't control what other people do on the road. So even if your job is administrator or a uh, receptionist or, uh, I don't know, uh, disaster of chaos or whatever that one was, <laughs> like the chaos is never going to be greater than dealing yeah. with someone else. Yeah. That's yeah. always going to be the most yeah. unpredictable element of anything that you well, do in life. What a great insight because again without us trying to do anything this is where i started getting involved with the study when we really started sifting through the quotes adam and justin did a thing where they started tightening the lens the aperture a little bit on the things like why does this help again and there were three reasons that seemed to pop out the most and it did seem that those reasons had to do with my interactions with other people yeah and that's really a cool insight, actually. Totally is. The first one is the thing that we already mentioned a little bit, where you want to kind of express and verify who you really are at work. And again and again and again, it popped out. This might have been the one that popped out the most, that these titles kind of allowed people to show other people who they really were, quote unquote. Like, here's one. This guy, uh, the COO, coming back to him, he says, my fun title is a minister of dollars and cents. I feel special when people see that name. I love being introduced as that. It makes me feel pride and joy and helps give me purpose. It kind of makes me want to come to work in the morning. Yeah. Big deal to this guy. And that quote alone, that covers the three big things, which were, I guess, the three key themes Mm, we could mm, describe mm. them as. And so these would have been self-verification. So self-verification, as I understand it, as you mentioned, Dan, is this ability to be in a situation and bring yourself to that situation. So I don't know if you've ever sat in a church service before, but it's very, it's very, you're very limited in what you can do and express. There are, there are ways in which a church service operates. So for you to kind of be yourself, it's not really possible in that situation. At least in sort of the churches that we went to. I think you've gotten <laughs> some gospel where you can really speak well, yeah, in tongues. I, and I, I, yeah, growing up, I went to some churches that were very expressive growing up, but there were still things that you just couldn't right. do or right. questions that you couldn't ask. And so in a sense, you were, I guess it's kind of like I could describe it as like an ideological prison. And for a lot of work, a lot of companies that people find, they find themselves in a cultural prison. That's it. There's a way that you must behave slash conform within this organization so that you are walking in line with what our culture and our identity is. And so in order to get paid and make rent every month, what we sacrifice is being able to bring ourselves to work. And to have other people see who we, quote, really are, unquote. That's... 
what self-verification is all about. Exactly. It's, it's I'm being what I really am and you're seeing who I really am. And I believe that because yeah. of that, it's reducing a certain amount of stress, which we'll get to. Yeah. We'll talk about yeah. the emotional exhaustion and the burnout as well. It's reducing a degree of stress where you don't have to constantly That's think it. about yes. what am I presenting. That's right. And so if you can kind of like ease that just a bit, yep. massive gains in terms of people being able to feel more relaxed, more in control. I guess essentially just more themselves. And the the other theme that they looked at was this idea of psychological safety, which we touched on yes. in the humble leadership element. And if you wanted to say a bit about psychological safety as well, kind of like what it is yeah. and I guess some of the benefits of it yeah. as well. It's huge right now. People like Amy Edmondson have been studying this topic for a decade and more. But, you know, it's interesting how it's this idea that you feel like you can take a risk. That could be an interpersonal risk. Sometimes, like you and I, we just go off on a tangent. It's taking a risk because it's unscripted. We don't know where it's going to go. And it's this idea you can take a risk without thinking you're going to get hurt. You're going to get chastised. You're going to get blamed. You're going to get ostracized. You're going to lose your raise. You're going to lose your bonus. In a lot of workplaces, it just isn't safe. You, you have to follow the script. If you go off the script, you're going to get hurt. And what's ironic about that is because if people don't feel safe, express, like if people don't feel psychologically safe, The irony is that that's creating new dangers because if I'm hard at work and I'm possibly like messing something up, but I don't really feel comfortable talking to my peers or my boss or maybe someone who reports into me, I'm kind of letting something get worse. Yes. And you know what they then do is they hide it. Yes. They To err as human, we all make errors. In psychologically unsafe environments, we hide those errors, which means we can't improve them. This is what Amy has found, including, by the way, Amy Edmondson has also found this in hospitals. So full circle round. Um, nurses that give people the wrong shots, for example, which, you know, it's going to happen. Um, they hide it. Yeah. And so they don't address the problem, nor do they address the process that led to the, the problem. So, like, here's a quote in this one. So they create these fun titles that kind of show something about themselves. And one of the people said, um, they create this fun atmosphere, this open atmosphere, where you can really talk about different issues. They encourage you to speak up if something's bothering you. And that goes right to the point that you just made is somehow, and again, it is a little mysterious. It's a little bit weird, but somehow that if we can all say something funny and unique about ourselves, it just kind of lowers the scripts and the pressure to conform to these non-human ways of acting and kind of encourages a more human set of interactions that we're all going to make mistakes. Let's just get it out on the table. Yeah, and if, if this is all getting you all excited, as, as as Dan and I clearly are just talking about it, is is just to kind of bear in mind, this is all tying back to what happens when a, an organization, there's collaboration between the leaders and the employees on let's allow individuals to give themselves their own job title. Nothing zany or ridiculous. It should be in line with what your job is and who you are as a person. And let's also say it's kind of like a, um, let's say, a, 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 in addition to. So you can have your normal uh, job title. And in addition to that, you have something that expresses who you are and what your role is and why you, I guess, believe in it and enjoy it. So this is like one small initiative. And the the third benefit of this was this idea of external rapport as that's well. That's and that's external that's rapport is 
what am I like with customers? What am I like with uh, clients? What am I, I like with like service providers? What am I like when I'm kind of like maybe trying to like negotiate something? Yeah. If you if yeah. you offer if you work for the Make a Wish Foundation, for example, and you're trying to get some kid to meet like Steven Gerrard or Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi, and you're talking to someone who's in that chain. By telling them your job title, they just might look at it as a bit kind of like rigid or formal and maybe not necessarily allow as much time for it. But when your job title says something is in like, you know, I'm the um, the assistant dream giver, someone might just be a bit like, what does yeah. that even mean? Yeah. And by yeah. opening up that yes. conversation, yes. you can actually start to talk about what your role is, why you're passionate about so, it and the outcomes of it. That's as well. so good. It intrigues people. Like if I had to cut to the chase on this external rapport, rather than being like, I'm an assistant admin level two, this idea of saying like, I'm a wish services uh, pixie. It's like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> did, did you say you're a pixie? Like, yeah, that's that's my role here. Tell me about that. And right there, you've opened up something humane, human, rather than something administrative. Yeah. And so like this one person who's, this is the job title, I swear to you. The Royal Ambassador of Really Cool Kids. <laughs> this person says, I love this. It makes people smile and it makes them wonder. I think that it's unique. And it's it's this idea that you come out with something like that and people kind of give you a double take. They give you that three seconds more door opening to get your foot in. Which is, which is wonderful as well because when we do talk about, I guess uh, – uh, careers, jobs, if you're kind of like building something, we, we do talk about this idea of like elevator pitches. And it's wonderful to have something in your tool belt that might give you that extra three seconds. Which is which is quite a lot when you're trying to convince someone to get involved in something that prior to meeting you, they had zero awareness or interest in whatsoever. Yep. I, I think... We were shocked, I guess, or even, you know, whatever, surprised how much these titles seem to help people with their emotional labor. I think we were also a bit surprised that these were the mechanisms. These were the, these three things that Akin just talked about. There's self-verification, there's psychological safety, there's external rapport. We wouldn't have thought these up in advance. Not, not from a job title, you know, something. But then what happened is, once we learned this stuff, we started thinking, well, Job titling could be an intervention. It could be something that a leader encouraged people to do. And then the idea that as scientists, maybe this was all just, um, I would just call it site specific. Like you've got this charity where they give kids their last wishes. That's a pretty specific thing right there. Yeah, we found these cool results in this really specific, unique little... What if we went into like some hospitals? What if we went into like places where... Yes, people are still living and dying. It is still a real life and death situation, but it's a very different environment now. And it just so happened that we really knew some of the top folks there. And I was working with them doing some consulting and doing some teaching. And we pitched this and they, they gave us these nine hospitals, which at the time, I don't think we could believe that either. You know, it's just like holiday time. Like here, go play with these nine hospitals or whatever. So what we did is we randomly assigned them and all these hospitals to one of three conditions yeah. where like three of the hospitals, we did nothing at all. Pure control. We're like just 
made them do surveys, but didn't change anything about the way they work. And that would have been pre and post surveys. That's correct. Right? I so think it was five. There was weeks. like a five week gap. Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, just on the, the the group that nothing was done whatsoever. You go into the, these hospitals. You have like you know like tens of staff members, and you get them to complete these studies. I think it was about I, I'm sorry like these um, sixty or questionnaires. So. Yeah, Six, something like sixty people. We're, you know, they, they, we didn't make anybody do any of this stuff, by the way. Like, it was volunteer or whatever, but these 60 people filled out this survey, and it was just stuff like about these very concepts. Like, how much do you feel you can be who you really are at work? And like, how much safety do you feel at work? And you know, they're validated scales, you know what I mean? Like, we use these, um, existing scales that are out there but then the the deep end of area was how burnt out are you yeah and those burnout items are like i feel used up at the end of the day you know i, I just feel depleted from my work these types of and it's quite it's quite disheartening how much that has become normalized this idea of and this is across industries and this is me in terms of my personal experience this is in terms of um like colleagues this is in terms of friends this idea that you you wake up in the morning you, you shower, you probably like, you know, grab like a cereal bar or something and maybe like a coffee and a croissant on your way. And you, you basically get to work. You get to work and you basically hit the ground running. It's at the work. Yeah, ground's already moving. Yeah. And you're just like dropped yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a conveyor Yeah. Belt. And it's like get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. if you're lucky enough, yeah. you start at nine and you finish at five. If you're lucky enough, maybe after work, you probably like, you know, hit the gym or something to like de-stress. By the time you get home and you kind of like, you know, walk through your door, yeah. it's a case of yeah. just even physically and mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this happened to you before, Dan, but like just that kind of like the kickoff of the shoes yeah, yeah. like you don't even care what's in your bag there could be like a macbook pro you just drop it and it's just like <laughs> you need isolation <laughs> yeah just yeah. that exhale yeah. and it's quite scary how we've we've at least in terms of like society that i'm in in myself we've normalized this this kind of like hustle culture mm-hmm. this kind of like rise and grind and we're de- we're de- we're dedicating so much of ourselves yeah. to something that is draining so yeah. much out it's of us. It's draining. I think that word "draining," depleting, yeah, is a really important one because you can only do that so long. Mm. That what burnout means is that if you deplete long enough, there's nothing that left, and that can lead to depressive symptoms. That can lead to full-on clinical depression. That can learn uh, lead to lots of sickness. Yeah. That anxiety creates a lot of cortisol. and you, 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 Anyway, we don't need to go into all that now, but I'll just say that that's becoming normalized. And in the health services area, any of the human services area, I mean, like people that deal with airplane customers a lot get this, total burnout, because you're just dealing with other humans, processing them all day. And, and by the way, getting yelled at a lot. And then you can't yell back. The natural human response to being yelled at is to yell back. You just got to take it. Anyway, we can't go so far down that and path. And they're yelling because they want an avocado. Like, buddy, relax. Yeah, yeah, There's like 300 it. people on it. You're what? Good. Like, you know, you know how, like, the thing that, like, I really, like, empathize with, like, flight stuff. Because when it's time to, like, give the goods, like, you know, you got the meals and the whatnot, the, uh, the trolley that they push is the width of the, like, and you see people who decide that that's when they want to use, like, the toilet. And it's like, yo, I'm just, like, a third way through feeding people. Like, just go and sit back down. But they kind of hover. They hover around the trolley, like, you know, at some point. Yeah, they're like, I'm going to, it's like, come on, like, give them a break. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. We really went off on Oh, gosh. Okay, back to this thing. So this idea of feeling burned out from your work and so on, we use these scales, measured all this stuff. And what that allowed us to do um, across these nine ho- uh, hospitals is look at whether those people, those humans that were allowed to create their own job titles, A, felt less burnout. Because the answer might have been like, nope. Not here. It sucks. Didn't work. And then number two is, even if it did have that effect, which one of the those mediators, which one of those mechanisms carried the weight? You know, in the qualitative study, you can't really say. You can say when they mention it the most, but you can't analytically look at mediation. In this one, it allowed us to say, here's self-verification. Here's psychological safety. Here's external rapport. We measured it. Which one of them kind of carried the water? Yes. And that's really exciting. I, yeah. I That kind of science is so, well, rare, frankly. The, the idea of finding something that's kind of cool and new and surprising, then going and replicating it and so saying technically now, statistically, which one of them is doing the lifting – that's not something I do a lot in my own research because it's hard. It's actually, like you said, it's fell into our lap in a lot of ways. So, okay, so then what do we do? Um, should I say a little bit more about – we had these nine studies, three, nine hospitals, yep. three total control, didn't yep. do anything but surveys. Three of them were the ones where they were given the chance to come up with appropriate – but personalized job titles and then introduce themselves that way and like put them on their email and all that stuff which people have already heard about now. And then there was another three hospitals where we just did an alternative intervention where we went in there, Adam and I, and we talked with them about self-expression and we played this like sort of simulation game. It was like a negotiations game where we kind of talked about how the more you can open up and give about yourself, the more mutual gains you'll find. Which they did enjoy they, from what yeah, I read. They, they enjoyed time. it. It was a good day. It was a good session. I'll and tell you what, it beats being in like a primary care unit or trying to like, if I could just get a bit of a break from the geriatric ward, <laughs> oh I'd love to hear more yes, about how yes. my day could be better. Tell me more. And the reason why we did that, just so everybody out there hears, if you only do uh, one intervention, there's this thing called the Hawthorne effect that people worry about where anything that you do might cause an effect. If you go and like just talk to people, they get kind of happier that they're being noticed. And then you get this effect and you don't know if it's because of your intervention or so in any case, by having this thing where Adam and I went in there and, you know, we talked about this stuff, maybe that would have an effect. And, and, uh, anyway, do you want to sort of talk about the results and what, what popped up? Yeah. Out? And just to give like a, a shout out to some of the uh, creative job titles that were created. Mm. So some of them include, uh, Germ Slayer. Uh, there was also Bone Seeker. Bone Seeker was uh, an X-ray tech. Yeah, yeah. And there was also Quick Shot. Yes. Was, uh, Sally Quick Shot. Sh- Sally Quick Shot. Well, her yeah. name was Sally, and she said, she, I remember her very clearly saying, we were like, what? what's up with this one? And she goes, I work in pediatrics, and I give shots all day, you know, give kids shots all day. She goes, I'm so quick, they don't know what hit them. And we thought this was so funny. She goes, let me tell you this, the parents love me. Oh, they got to. Because otherwise, you got a crying kid, and this way it's just like, it's done. Yeah, it's over. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what they did found, they, so they found a few things, and like, you might be able to help me out with this, Dan, as I tried to wrap my head around it. So, um, so what they found was that when it did come to having these, these job titles, there were some interesting things that they found. One is that not everyone within the, the medical uh, 
profession, profession, thanks, um, were were comfortable with this idea. Partly, I think it's because if you do study seven years to be a doctor, yeah, I want doctor. I don't like the word. Yeah, like I earned that. Like, yeah, much I read. Like, (laughs) like I've looked at a cadaver. Like, I'm going to be known as doctor. Thank you very much. When I was doing this study, (laughs) um, I started calling myself Doctor Strange. Oh. That suits you. That was my title. That's what I went with. That suits you. Um, So what they did found is that across all of the... So we're we're talking about like these factors that are measured. So when it came to like employees in terms of these self-reflective job titles, there was like significant um, uh, uh, decreases in emotional exhaustion, uh, in self-verification, in psychological safety. And I believe that there was no statistical changes in external rapport. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of like re- remained, which for me makes quite a lot of sense in terms of like when I visit a hospital, I'm in a bit of a low state in terms of like I might be physically unwell or mentally unwell. So the idea that there's someone there whose role it is to help me get mm-hmm. better, regardless of what their job title is, there's something that I might physically feel and I'm dependent on them for something. So it makes sense to me, this kind of like external rapport not shifting that much because there is this need. It's not like I'm going to buy like trainers and I'm just a bit like, I just want something cool. There's like a real need here. I understand. But in the other areas, in terms of the... And, and when I talk about that, I mean in terms of like how people might relate to a doctor. Yep. So not necessarily how the doctor relates to mm. other people, mm. but how people might relate to them. There's a need there that is pressing. So I can see why it might not shift that dial too much. But in terms of the staff themselves, they saw like improvements in psychological safety, improvements in self-verification, improvements in their emotional exhaustion also. And this was just off of the... These are results are just off of the the title change because you also had the control and you had also the different initiative as well. So you could compare them and say, okay, then, well, in this one, we see significant changes where the main intervention was your job title and how you identify and like the the safety that you feel and such. Yeah. And I also feel like there's some value, not not that five weeks is a year. You know, it'd been better if we'd waited a year and then checked. But the idea that it's not like we reduced it for a day or, you know, a week or whatever. The idea that we did this intervention and then over a month later they were feeling less burnout, that gave us some security to know that, like, the effects that we saw on the other one not only existed in this really different setting but lasted for a, at least a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and you might be able to help me out with this. So there was, like, this chain reaction where there was this kind of, like um, – this uh, this mediation effect where you had factors that were changed, such as like self-verification and psychological safety, and it seemed that like the the job title kind of then allowed for a decrease in like emotional exhaustion, yeah. and then because of that, then there was this um, this kind of like boost in terms of self-verification, no. and yeah, this is why yeah, I needed yeah, a bit. Of, exactly. but there was a chain reaction there where exactly. it was like the job title, the, the chain led to reaction something, is right. Then led to something. The, the way that we think about this is the big effect that we hope to find was if we let people come up with their own job titles, then they feel less burnout, less exhaustion. Okay, found that. Now that we found that happen, the question is, well, why? Which one of these three triggers or these three mechanisms might account for that? And then what we did is the chain reaction was, well, theoretically, it would be the case. You put in better job titles. People feel like they're more self-verified. Because of that, maybe they feel less burnout. Sure enough, that worked. 
The second one is put these titles in place. Maybe people feel more safe at work and therefore like that. And we found, yes, the third one, as you pointed out, in these hospitals didn't work. That is to say, put these titles in place. People didn't feel more external rapport and therefore external rapport was not a mediator. And so, you know, that doesn't mean it wouldn't be in like a sales organization. That doesn't mean that it wouldn't be in like a fundraiser organization. It just means in that particular setting, it spilled the water. It, yes. did, it didn't carry the water to the final effect. Yep. So um, what are we going to do in terms of closing? I feel like we covered it really well. I think maybe if we take a big step back, I just wanted to say something about, um, I think something I've discovered as a professor of this kind of stuff. How often we're cynical about changing little things in organizations. It's like, how many leaders will spend a million or two million pounds to put in a new like IT system that's supposed to improve efficiency or productivity? Or like, they'll build a new building that's 40 million pounds in the hope of having an open office plan, which, you know, statistically doesn't work. Don't do it, people. But then sometimes you come up with these free little interventions where you just like allow people to bring more of themselves to work. And the initial reaction, even of people like me back 10 years ago, were like, ah, that won't work. That's dumb. That's like a Dilbert. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting how in real life, when you give people these bona fide opportunities to just be more of themselves and like open up a little bit more, in study after study after study, it seems to have these really positive effects that humans feel better about their lives and themselves. And like the work gets better and the customers are happier and they're less likely to quit. But we don't, we don't give it enough credit, I think. Even when the data is there, we don't often give that enough credit. I, yeah, I think, I think part of it is due to that chain reaction element. I think if you have an organization that is looking at individuals as resources, you're not necessarily going to be concerned with their wellness as individuals. You're going to be concerned with, we need to get this from 2% to 3%. And so your understanding of that might be, like you mentioned, Dan, a new IT system. Like, can we get people to work quicker? As in, like, physically from their home to their work quicker. A lot of people, they don't want to go to work. It Like, you're bringing them to the place that is met like they're not worried about how long it takes to get there people are like on their like their ipods like for some people yeah. the journey might be the pleasant <laughs> i read my book yeah, yeah listening to my favorite That's album funny. but it's like the initiative is like when you look at this chain reaction it's like if we can get people to feel better at, whilst they're actually there and this isn't like ping pong tables pool tables and you know free lunches and stuff it might just be a case of is there something that we can do that can allow them to feel more human more protected more safe more valued more appreciated have we tried saying thank you before we've spent one million on this thing that no one who actually does the job care about have you actually gone up to someone and just patted them on the back and say hey saw the work that you did that was fantastic that was well done that that when someone <laughs> hears that that can be a lot bigger and i feel like with these job titles what it's doing is it's allowing people to have a bit of control a bit more uh, agency and to be able to possibly project the gratitude that they might not necessarily receive from the organization that's the one um what is your job title 
Ideas Curator. Nice. Actually, it's pretty good. <laughs> Ideas Curator is good enough that it would be in this study. Oh, nice. All right. You can call me Dr. Strange. Okay, Dr. Strange. <laughs> so, Dr. Strange, Ideas Curator, thank you very much for rocking with us, listeners. This has been a blast. This study is definitely worth your time, especially if, like, if you are a leader and you're trying to think of, like, how do I... How do I get people a bit more happier? How do I make them feel a bit more safe? Once again, it's titled Job Titles and Identifying Badges, How Self-Reflective Titles Can Reduce Emotional Exhaustion. It's by Adam Grant, Justin Berg, and yours truly, Dan Cable. Uh, Flick through these pages. This is so worth your time. You guys have been the best. Thanks once again for rocking with us. Enjoy the rest of your lives. (laughs) Ciao.